Two weeks ago, I started talking to you about passion killers, and I got to review that in order for today's message to make sense. So let's just jump in and, and let's go back over those seven things that will suck the passion out of your life. Not only your spiritual passion, but just your passion for living if these things are, are uh, evident in your life. The first passion killer is an unclear purpose. If you have no reason for getting up every day, then your life uh, isn't very exciting. You have no um, passion in your life. We said that the size of your passion um, equals uh, the... <laughs> we said the size of your purpose determines the amount of passion that you have in your life. I've got to get that straight or that doesn't make sense. If you have a little dinky purpose, then you have a little bit of passion. If you have this big old honking purpose for life, then you have a big old honking passion for life. And so if you get caught up in something that goes on beyond your lifetime, something that lasts forever, like the kingdom of God, that's a pretty big passion, pretty big purpose. And you're going to have all kinds of passion in your life. But if you have this little bitty purpose, like living for yourself, then, then it sucks all of the passion out of you. The second passion killer is an unused talent. God designed you with talents He gave you in your mother's womb. When you discover those talents in life, you find your niche in life, um, then it, it increases your passion for life. And when you find out what you're good at doing, you know that God, why God made you and put you on this planet. You also understand what you should be doing in the church because God didn't give you your talents just to be going, uh, just be used for you. God gives you your talents for someone else and God specifically gives you your talents to be used in church. So if, if you don't have a, if you got a talent that's not being used, it sucks the passion out of your life. The third passion killer was an unbalanced schedule. We said you can be doing too much and you can be doing too little. The, the whole idea is to be balanced in what's going on in your life. I know people that go to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. They go Tuesday night to a visitation. They go Wednesday night to prayer meeting. They'll be at the pastor's prayer breakfast on Thursday morning. And they are miserable people because all they ever do is take in. They never give out. But I also know people that sit on their rears all of the time in churches. And, and they, they, they give, they, they may give some money, but they don't give of their time and their talents. So you gotta, you got people that are taking in all the time, and you got people that are giving out all the time. Every time that something happens back in our children's area, when there is Sunday morning children's church and our kids are learning about God, someone had to give up their time, someone is giving up their talents, so that your children or your grandchildren can hear about the love of Christ. And I think that some of you need to get involved in that. Because all you're doing is taking. You're a spiritual leech. And it's time for you to grow up. It's kind of serious. Fourth passion killer is secret sin. Nothing will rob your passion for life like sin that's in your life. And, and fortunately, God has told us what we need to do about that. He said we confess it. You desperately need a place to go where you can have a group of people that will love you for you. And, and at New Life, that's in small groups or Celebrate Recovery, because we have small groups at Celebrate Recovery on Friday nights as well. If you leave today and you don't get plugged into a small group, you're robbing yourself of, of reaching your full potential in Jesus Christ. And some of you say you don't have time. Well, go back to the unbalanced schedule. And maybe you need to figure out some things. If you don't have time for God, then, then don't expect God to have time for you when you come, when you have this desperate need in your life. And that's the only time you ever call out to Him. Secret sin is something that, that you need to get rid of. And the Bible says if you confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, you will be healed. That's why Celebrate Recovery has such a great success rate when people get together and they take off the mask and they're honest about their sins and people pray for one another. That's when healing comes. It comes straight out of Scripture. The fifth passion killer is unresolved conflict. 
If you, if you're walking down the grocery store aisle and you see somebody that, that you know and, and your first inclination is to hide so that you don't have to see them, there's something wrong. And there's probably some unresolved conflict. Jealousy, bitterness, and, and anger are things that will suck the passion out of you every time. And God says, you gotta forgive. Throughout the Bible, all, we, all it teaches is forgive, forgive, forgive. Because if I don't forgive, what I'm actually doing is the person who has angered me or caused resentment or bitterness in me, I'm giving them control of my passion. I'm giving them control of my life. I might as well have a leash on where they can lead me around. Because we are tied to that person that we've refused to forgive. So God says, you've got to forgive. Or your passion is going to be sucked out of you. The sixth one was a lonely lifestyle. God saw one thing in the Garden of Eden that was not good. Man was alone. And so God created a companion, one who was suitable to his needs, not someone who was lower than him, someone who was a partner who would correspond to his needs. But God also designed us for fellowship with other human beings. Remember, God said, let us create man in our image. Who was he talking to? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is in this sense of uh, fellowship all of the time. And He created us with a desire to be known and to know other people. And so if you're living this lonely lifestyle, that's not the way God created you. Again, we've got small groups that, that deal with that and we've got Celebrate Recovery if you need a place to go. And then number seven, we said, is an undernourished spirit. If you want to stay passionate for your entire life, you have to learn to get plugged into God. There are certain disciplines that you can do, and, and, and the disciplines don't equal a mature Christian, but if you have a disciplined life, and if you will add some of these things to your life, you'll be amazed how God will begin to transform you to look like Jesus Christ. Just from being nourished daily by God's Word, being nourished weekly in, in a, a worship time like this, and in a small group Bible study in someone's home. Now, I've seen people um, all through my ministry uh, do the math. Um, 25 years I've, I've been in ministry now, 19 of those as a youth minister, and the last six as pastor of this church. And I've seen people that have come to church over and over, because I was in a tradition where, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights, and then all of the other things, I was in that tradition. And, and I've seen people come, and they've heard about this thing, this, this promise that Jesus gives us in John 10.10. 10. John 10.10, Jesus is talking directly to us, believers, and He says, I have come that they may have abundant life. And, and what that means is life to the fullest. And people have heard that so many times that they've become numb to it. And the reason they become numb is because it's not a reality in their lives. And something is wrong with that. If Jesus is who He says He is, if He can do in our lives what He says He can do, and we're not living an abundant life, then the problem is us. So we've got to learn some things that are going on. Now, I have a, uh, a plug here today. And uh, anybody recognize this? What kind of plug is this? A dryer. Okay. How many volts? 220. Now, is it even possible to plug a 220 into a 110? No, but let's pretend for the sake of the illustration. I have here one of these wonderful new power squids. It's just... It's just your multiple outlets, but now you can, you can, it's a squid is what it's called. So let's just pretend that you could plug in here to this thing. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going on with people in their lives. People are designed by God to function on 220 volts. But what people are doing is they're plugging into one tens. And, and let's say that, that you are a 220 design um, appliance because you are, and you plug into a 110 outlet. What kind of performance is that appliance going to have? 
If it even works at all, it's going to be less than optimal. And what do you think is going to be the lifespan of that appliance? Not very long because it was not designed for that. Well, look at Galatians 1.10. This is the 1.10 that people are trying to plug into. Does this sound as if I'm trying to win human approval? Now, I want you to focus in on those two words, human approval, because we're going to come back to that over and over. No, indeed. What I want is God's approval. Am I trying to be popular with people? If I were still trying to do so, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, Paul says you cannot seek the approval of God and humans at the same time. Most people you and I know are trying to get their sense of value from people or careers or things, and it doesn't work that way. So God designed us to be 220, but we try to plug into the 110. And then, then I have this deal where maybe, maybe my dad, I desperately want my dad's approval. So I've got one plugged in here, and that one goes out towards my dad. Dad, I desperately need your approval. And if I don't get dad's approval, what happens to my life? I fall apart. And then I have another one. Maybe maybe I think, oh, I'm lonely. And so so Janie, she's over there. I'm trying not to hit you, Heather. Sorry about that. I plug into Janie. I need, I need a woman in my life. Glory be to God, I need a woman. And so I plug into Janie. And God designed me to run on 220 volts. And He designed her to run on 220 volts. But He did not design me to be plugged into her because she's not God. God made me with this hole in my heart that only God can fill. And so I try to plug into Janie. Guess what happens? I'm going to be disappointed. She's a wonderful woman. She's a Proverbs 31 woman. She's the beautiful woman. The Bible says a beautiful woman who can find her value is far beyond riches. That's Janie. But she was not designed by God to fill the deepest needs in my heart and my soul. If I plug into her, I'm going to be disappointed. And by the same thing, if she plugs into me, oh, y'all know she's going to be disappointed. You know she's going to be disappointed. God designed us to run on 220. So if I plug into my career, if I plug into money, things, all of those things are temporary, and God designed our souls to be eternal. So I'm plugging into stuff that's not going to last, trying to run my life, my eternal soul, on something that's temporary. Does that sound very smart? That's what people are doing, and that's why their passion has been robbed. Now, I want to show you what we need to do. Instead of plugging into the 110, Galatians 110, human approval, I need to plug into the 220, Galatians 220. I've been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. Dude, I, I wish we had a whole lot more time so we could unpack this. Maybe we'll have to come back to this. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or even have your good opinion. Paul is talking to some folks here and he's saying, look, I'm not trying to win your approval. Your opinion of me doesn't even really matter. And then, then look what he says. I'm no longer driven to impress God. Excuse me? Aren't we supposed to try to impress God? Aren't we supposed to wear the nicest clothes? And see, this was an attempt by folks back in, and I'll, I'll even... Um, allow that this was a genuine attempt by folks back in the day because they used to say, this is, this is what I heard in the churches I grew up in, well, we need to give our best to God. And, and really what that was, that was an excuse for me to dress up and look down on you if you didn't. 
Now, I, I believe some people were genuine back in the day when they started doing that. I want to do my best for God. But the Bible says all of my deeds are like filthy rags before God. All of my righteous deeds are like filthy rags before God. So why am I trying to impress Him? Let me show you what happens here. I've been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Here's the key. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. How does it work that, that my ego is no longer central? Because I got an ego. Drew told you, I'm full of myself. Well, yeah, I wish that were as true as it is. But we all have these egos. How do, you, how do you begin to live like your life is not central? Well, first of all, you've got to start to unplug from all the 110. And then you've got to plug into Christ. Now, the Bible says, I have been crucified with Christ, and this life that I live is no longer mine. Bible tells us that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, He shed His blood so that He could purchase all people who want to follow Him, who, who agree to the fact that we are sinners and we ask Him to forgive us of our sins and be the leader of our lives. When we make that transaction, when we say to God, I am no longer in control, I give control to you, we take this and we plug into Christ, there are two words that can no longer be in our vocabulary. Do you know what those two words are? If, if I'm going to say, God, I want what Jesus Christ offered on the cross, there are two words that cannot exist in my vocabulary. You know what those two words are? No, Lord. Because the moment I say no to Him, I unplug from Him, the only one designed to meet my soul-level needs, I unplug from Him, and I begin to throw those plugs out to somebody else. And I begin to try to run my life on something less than what I was designed for, and I will always be disappointed. I will always crash and burn. And God, God's the coolest ever, and He lets us come back over and over and over again. But here's what we need to do. We need to learn, I need to learn, and put this into practice, how to take the disappointments of life, and instead of blaming others for my disappointments and my sorry predicament in life, what I need to do is allow those negative emotions to drive me towards God. Just imagine. Because do you get negative emotions? Every time I get in a car, I get negative emotions. I rented a car in Orlando, Florida, and I had negative emotions going around those, those places. So what, what if when, when people come into our lives and we start having negative emotions, I get negative emotions every time I stand in a line at Walmart. I hate going to Walmarts that don't have self-check. Because I just think I can do it faster than the people over there. And I just, you know, okay. I, what if every time we got negative emotions because of the circumstances of life, we allowed that to drive us to God? And this is the weirdest thing ever. Because what if, what if the next time I get on the road and I get frustrated, I say, God, I thank you <laughs> for this sorry slow driver in front of me because it reminds me that I think I can do this life without you. I think I'm in control. But in, when, when in reality, God, I have you. Or what if it was like this? What if you, you have this relationship that's not going well, whether it's a coworker or a spouse or a family member, whatever. What if, what if you had this relationship and when the relationship starts going bad, you were to let that negativity drive you to God where you said, God, I thank you for this negativity because I realize 
that I think I can't live without this person's approval. But the truth of the matter is, I have you, God, and I'm going to plug into you because you're all that I will ever need. And then I won't need their approval anymore because I'll have the approval of the God of the universe. What would happen if our church began to do that? First of all, people are going to be thinking we're drinking funny water because it's going to make a radical difference in our lives. And maybe the word is going to get out, not that we dress funny or you have bald-looking people in the band. Maybe that word doesn't get out. Maybe what gets out is there's some real people out there at New Life Community Church and they must know a real God because they're different. They're not like religious people I know. I hear people all the time say, oh, I don't like organized religion. I said, then you need to come to New Life because we're disorganized religion. The, the, the thing about Christianity is it's not a, a set of do's and don'ts. It's not rules and regulations. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I need to, I need to recognize the error of my ways, unplug from the 110 sources and plug into the 220. Now, the cool thing is that God has this unlimited number of outlets, and Jesus Christ is like this transformer, and, and He, um, and, which you mentioned, transformers, very good, up to date, talking about transformer too. Way to go, James. Um, but God is like this transformer, not like the cars and the movies. He takes the power of God and, and applies it to us in doses that we can handle. And uh, then we begin to experience this life in the fullest. And so if it, what I'm saying is if you have negative emotions, you need to change chords. And, and the way that will look is we begin to get our expectations from God and not from this world. And Jesus promised us in Matthew 6.33, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. So make God number one, and He'll give you everything you need. Not everything you greed, everything you need. And here's the kicker. God has promised us that if we'll plug into Him, He'll give us the 220 volts. But a lot of times as I worship, and I've heard some of you talk about this, as we, as we really pray, as, as you get alone, James talked about getting alone with God, as you get alone with God, God begins to recharge your battery and to fill you up. And all of a sudden I have more than 220. I've got 330 or 440. What do you do with the extra? You give it away. If we were to allow my wife to have the microphone right now, she doesn't like to speak in front of people, ask her, would you rather have Doug when he's close to God or when he's not? What do you think? When he is, yeah, when he's close to God. Because I love her in a different way. Ask my children. You can't ask my children. Ask my children, would you rather have your dad when he's close to God or when he's far from God? What do you think they'll say? when he's close to God. What we do, though, is we try to um, we try to minister sometimes without being plugged into God, and you know what that causes? Burnout. So let's figure out what we need to do to get away from that. God is a passionate God, and He wants you to be passionate. The Bible tells us about God's passion. When we talk about Jesus' death on the cross, you know what that's called? Christ's passion, when they do plays about the last week of his life, you know what it's called? A passion play. Y'all are pretty good at this. And, and God is passionate about getting to know you, and he's passionate about you getting to know him. Look at Exodus 34, 14. 
You must worship only the Lord, for He is a God who is passionate about His relationship with you. You may not be able to fully comprehend this, but the, but the Creator of the universe, the one who made every one of us, who made all of the stars and the moons and the universe, that, that Creator wants to have a relationship with you, and He wants you to know Him. And uh, He's passionate about this relationship with you. So He invites us into this relationship that's real and it's passionate, but, but there's a problem. Do you know what the greatest sin is that a Christian can commit? Let's, let's just do a little multiple choice here. Um, how many of you, uh, you don't have, don't raise your hands. But, but in your mind, just kind of do a check if you think this might be one of the greatest sins a Christian can commit. Now, uh, letter A, adultery. The scarlet letter, the adulterer. Oh, that's got to be. And some of you, and I'm not, I'm not at all saying this isn't a horrible sin. Some of you have experienced that, and, and some of you have been forgiven by Christ from that, and, and you've moved on. That's not, that's not the greatest sin that a Christian can commit. How about letter B? Um, gossip. Oh, surely the worst thing that a, that a Christian can do is say things about other Christians. It, it, and I hate gossip, and we, we declare war on gossip all the time, and we tell you that we're coming to you, and you gotta be careful who you say what to around here, because we're gonna tell you, you got 24 hours to go to that person, if you don't, I'm gonna tell them you said it, and then we're gonna come talk to you about the problem. I mean, we don't, we don't put up with that trash. But gossip isn't the worst sin a Christian can commit. Oh, I got it, I got it. Let her see. Being a Democrat. No, God's not, you know, a mascot for any type of political party. Oh, I got it, I got it. How about homosexuality? No, that's not the greatest sin a Christian can commit. Okay, which one are y'all going to vote for? Because I've given you the answers, right? At least it's none of those, right? Letter E, none of the above. I want you to see what the greatest sin a Christian can commit is. It comes from Revelation 3. I know you inside and out. This is Jesus Christ talking to the churches in the book of Revelation. I know you inside and out and find little to my liking. You're not cold. You're not hot. Far better to be either cold or hot. You're stale. You're stagnant. You make me want to vomit. Now, polite translations say you, you make me want to spew you out of my mouth. But, but the actual Greek text, there is nothing about spewing. It's like hurl puke, erp, blow chunks. You figure out the most descriptive thing. That's what this is talking about. At least that's in my translation. God says that I would rather you be on one extreme or the other. You want to be stale and stagnant and lukewarm? You make me want to vomit. Now, can we be any clearer about that? You understand what the, the greatest sin that a, commit, a Christian can commit is to be stale, stagnant, lukewarm, according to Jesus Christ. He says, I'd rather have you hot or cold than have you with no passion about your relationship with me or your relationship with people. C.S. Lewis once said that the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. If that's true, I mean, because if, if Christianity is, if Jesus isn't who he says he is, if he hasn't raised from the dead, if he's not the God of the universe, if he's not the Son of God, if there's not this Holy Spirit that can come and indwell us, if the Bible is lying, we're wasting time. Let's go home and watch the Daytona 500. That's what's coming on this afternoon. I'm trying to be relevant. Or the NBA All-Star Game. There's something that matters. Let's just get out of here because we're wasting time. But if it's real... 
Let's live like it's real. Let's begin to do whatever we can to get closer to God. Now, why isn't it that, that you're not as close to God as you used to be? Why aren't you passionate about God? Well, it's either that you don't know Him or you don't know Him very well. See, I want you to write this down on your listening guides. I didn't put this on there. I want you to write this down. The casual Christian is a contradiction in terms. Sorry. Oh, we do have it up there. Good job, Drew. And Danielle. The casual Christian is a contradiction in terms. If God's real, the better you understand Him, the better you know Him, the more passionate you're going to be about your relationship with Him. And if you want to make a difference in our world, in, our, in your family, in the community, you're going to have to be a passionate. And the amazing thing is, if you're a believer in Christ, you used to be passionate. Back when you first came to understand who this Jesus was, when you understood what He'd done for you. See, the, the, the first four books of the New Testament are about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're called the Gospel. Gospel means the good news. What is the good news? The good news is that I'm a hell-bound sinner, but, but God loved me enough to send His Son to provide a way for me to get back to Him. When you first understood that and you appropriated the grace of God, and you ask God to forgive your sins and be the leader of your life, you were passionate because you understood that you didn't deserve grace. You didn't deserve mercy. You deserved hell. You were passionate about this. When you understood that not only was all of my past sins forgiven, all of my future sins are forgiven, when you understood that heaven is a perfect place and God says, I have a perfect place, you're not perfect, I'm going to send a perfect Savior. When you accept Him, you get to come into my perfect place. You have a reservation in heaven. There's no way you're going to miss that reservation. When you understood that, you were passionate. Why aren't you now? It's because slowly but surely, as we go through the Christian life, we begin to take for granted those promises of God. Oh yeah, I'm forgiven. Uh-huh. We begin to take for granted heaven. Yeah, it's a perfect place. I'm going to be there someday. Hope, hope my family's there. Woo-hoo. You forget that you didn't deserve Jack except hell. Now, i just got to ask you a couple of questions as we wind this down. Has there ever been a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are right now? If the answer is yes, why have you let that happen? Because here's the deal. You are as close to God as you choose to be. I'm as close to God as I choose to be. And if I'm not as close to God as I used to be, I can't blame anyone but myself. If you feel far from Him, He's not the one that moved. You did. So what do you do? If there's ever been a time you were closer to God, what do you do? How do you get back on track? Well, you've got to answer this question. Do you want to be closer? Do you want to wake up every day and have this passion for life and know that you have a reason for... Do you want that? If you do, then Jesus is going to tell us what the problem is. He's going to tell us three steps to getting our passion back. Here it is. Revelation 2, 4, and 5. Here's the problem. You have left the love you had in the beginning. Or as we said in our illustration today, you've unplugged from God who gives you the 220 and you've plugged into someone else who doesn't. In fact, they suck the power out of you. He said, that's the problem. You've left your first love. You've forsaken what God has given you. Then he gives us the three steps. Here they are. So remember where you were before you fell. 
Change your hearts and do what you did at first. All right, here's the three steps. Number one, remember. Remember where you were before you fell. Remember what it was like the first time you understood this idea of grace. Do you you know um, the only religion, the only um, belief system in the world that offers grace is Christianity? The, The Muslims don't. Mormons don't. Jehovah's Witnesses don't. Christian scientists don't. The only place you can find grace is in Christianity. Remember when everything was new and exciting. When we have the Lord's Supper, one of the things we're supposed to do is remember. Jesus didn't tell us how often to have the Lord's Supper, but He said as often as you do it, remember. So we're supposed to remember what Christ has done for us. Second thing we're supposed to do is change your hearts. Now, in in the Scripture, anytime you hear the word heart, it means the seat of your emotions. And uh, what what we're saying here is not that you are going to feel your way into a new way of acting. You've you've got to make some decisions so that you act your way into a new way of feeling. Here's what I mean. Repent actually means to change your mind in, in, in the in all the churches I grew up in, and, and this is a this isn't far off base, but here's what we were taught about repentance. Repentance means you're going one direction and you turn around and go the other. That that's the second half of the equation. The first part of repentance is recognizing I'm going the wrong way. And recognizing that I'm thinking the wrong things, I'm doing the wrong things. The first part of repentance is changing your mind. Because once it changes my mind, then I can say, oh, dude, I've got to, dude, I've got to change my actions. Sorry, it slipped out. I'm full of dudes. I change my mind, and that changes my actions. Does that make sense? Every action you've ever committed started in the mind. Every sin you've ever committed started in the mind. Every good deed you've ever done started in the mind. So I change my mind. This way is the wrong path. And I change and I face this way and then I move towards Christ. Alright, so that leads us to the third step. Do. Remember, change, do. You say to God, I realize you're God, I'm not. I realize I've not been plugged into you, I've been plugged into others. Forgive me for that, help me get back on the right track. And then you do something about it. You look at your unbalanced schedule and you say, nobody's holding a gun to my head making me do these things. You change your schedule so that you can be involved in small group. You change your schedule so that you can be involved. You know, we have um, Celebrate Recovery on Friday nights. We have muffins for moms. If you've got small children, get plugged in with those ladies twice a month. They meet here on Fridays and, and child care is paid for. Get involved with other people. The Bible tells us that as iron sharpens iron, so one man or one woman sharpens another, you become like the people that you hang out with. If you're hanging out with people far from God, you're not going to get closer to God. So make some changes in your life. Figure out where you need to be serving in the church. Because all you're going to do, if if you just come to worship and you go to a small group, if all you ever do is that, you're going to be fat spiritually. And God never told us to be fat spiritually. He told us to push back from the table. He told us to be fed from Scripture. But then you do something with it. You get off your rear and you serve. Find a ministry in the church. We are always needing people back there telling children about the love of Christ so that you can come in here and not have to worry about your children. That's a conscious choice that we made. But some of you, it's time for you to get plugged in to a place of ministry. 
Some of you need to figure out um, people around you that you can tell about this good news of Jesus Christ. They're, they're headed for a Christless eternity. Maybe you just need to invite them to church. How hard is that? Come listen to a weird bald guy who says, Dude, come listen to a band that rocks so much so that it's almost too loud for me. Dang, I'm getting old. I never thought I'd say music was too loud. How is it that I can't hear out of this ear, but it hurts when the music's too loud? I don't understand that. I'm becoming my father. I'll be sitting back in the crying baby's room before long. If you don't nourish your spirit, you're going to shrivel up. Your heart will grow cold. And that makes Christ sick. Let's make some choices right now. 